0: 20, 20, 20, 20. Quickly to wall. Wall yeah. measures. Deal. gets open for three. Dagger. Please, don't a time. Don't don't Here comes Pierce with five seconds left. Pierce with three. Pierce with two. Pierce four.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Locked On Wizards here on a Friday night. I'm your host for one of the last shows I'm doing. My name is Noah Getzel. I've been uh, hosting the podcast since February, and uh, I am the Wizards Extra Beat reporter, been with Wizards Extra blog for, this is now my fifth season I believe, I started in 2014. So today we're going to be hearing from a fan, Trey Johnson, who obviously is disappointed with the direction that the Wizards are going in. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what's his biggest disappointment since he started, you know, following the team in 1998. We'll be talking about how much it irks him that Ernie Grunfeld received that under under the covers type contract extension, and then just the direction that the Wizards are going versus uh, you know some of the other franchises that are looking to win championships in the league. We just heard today that Dwayne Casey is being dismissed and fired as head coach of the Raptors after the Ra- Raptors won 59 games, and then we'll hear from Locked On Raptors host. Sean Woodley, friend of the podcast, talked to him a few times during that Wizards Raptors series for his reaction. And finally, we're going to move into what sorts of moves, I feel like we'll be talking about this on every podcast, but what the Wizards can possibly do to change their culture, you know, address some of their weaknesses, and get younger and develop uh, through either the draft or free agencies or trades or whatever it may be. So we're going to hear about all that right here on Locked On Wizards, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network plenty of good stuff all around the nba tune in for the the remaining teams that are still out there hear what's going around there's locked on ravens and locked on redskins as well you can check out all the locked on mlb podcast so there's there's a lot of good stuff happening on the locked on podcast network so we are now gonna tune in to our guest trey johnson all right trey welcome to the show how are you doing tonight happy friday um oh, I'm, I'm doing
0: great uh obviously um Last season, this season was uh, not what we wanted, uh, losing in six to Toronto. is a uh, big disappointment.
1: The first question is, you know, after being a, a Wizards fan for so long, what what are the things that kind of rub you the wrong way about the way this team is run? I
0: mean, when you, when you look at the standards that they set themselves after last season, where you came one win away from the conference finals, and this happens to this see with every DC team, the Wizards for the first time, then losing that game seven just... It sparked positivity, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it was Eastern the Finals for Boston this season, at least in my opinion. And the season, you know, obviously didn't go as expected. But you know, you're playing the Raptors. You know, there a the team that was swept in 2015, although it's a different team. Um, but you know, we played the Raptors. I was like, I, I thought we had a good chance at it, and um, it didn't turn out that way. I mean, I'm obviously disappointed. I'm. Not, I mean. I, I mean. The bar that they set last season was so uh, so far that you know they had to make these conference
1: finals. Yeah, I, that that and was then, the bar that was set for this franchise for sure. And do you think that aside from all the injuries, aside from John Wall missing half the season, do you do you feel like it was still a step backwards just because of the level of You know, the the way that the Wizards approached their lesser opponents and truly, you know, showed that they thought they were too cool for school and they could cruise by some of these teams like Brooklyn and Dallas and ended up losing a lot of those games. But, you know, they'd still come back and beat the Cavaliers and Celtics and Raptors and Rockets and those sorts of teams.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, the world was out for quite some time and, uh... You know, then there was the whole narrative of everybody eats. The Wizards are 12-4 and four without Wall. And are they better without John Wall, which we all know wasn't true. But John Wall, I mean, yeah, he was out for a while. But they played pretty well, I, was, I thought, without him. I thought mm-hmm. they played pretty well without him. And they figured out Shadow eventually, and they figured out how to guard all these players. And You know, it was never going to be smooth sailing without him. And then when they got him back, and we just kind of—he got in a rhythm— but uh, it just being seated 8, I mean, being seen as
1: 8 is an understatement. We all know this team's not They—they're, they're, In my opinion, they're the third best team in the Eastern
0: Conference, buying the of Boston. So that's just me. Behind the Cavs in Boston, you said? Before the season. Now I was say okay. fourth. I put Philadelphia ahead of them now.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. They're only on the rise. So it's a shocker that Ernie's coming back for season number, what, he started like 2003. I think it's season 16 that he's about to begin was it was the most frustrating part that you know that the Wizards tried to hide this announcement and it happened all the way back before the season started but you know nobody knew about it until Candace Buckner of the Washington Post you know came out with with her story unveiling it and the team still has yet to confirm that the extension you know that everything that has happened is actually the case so do you think just the deception is kind of what frustrates you or or the fact that you know they're bringing back this guy who's who's always trying to clean up his own messes and always has these awful contracts and swings and misses in the draft a lot. So is it I'm wondering are you more frustrated that he's coming back in general or that the Wizards weren't forthcoming about the fact that they were gonna, you know, bring him back?
0: Okay, so I'm gonna say this. I'm I'm very different compared to many other D C people in the sense that I'm not mad that they re signed Ernie I think Ernie as bad as he is I, th- I think, like, this team is, you know, there's a lot of dysfunctional teams out there in the NBA that are winning. You know, look at Philadelphia. They were run terribly. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so look where they are now. And, uh, you know, Cleveland isn't run, run, run that great either. So I don't think being run great is the end-all-be-all all to winning a title. But it's the fact that they hit okay? Because we had last season, okay, given the new deal after last year, we had a good year. This, but you're doing it. There's a time and a place. At the end of the season, you just lost the game six, and now you're saying you're re-signed the GM. And that offseason he made the terrible auto contract, and he just. I mean, I won't. I won't say much about the draft. I'd say he's drafted okay, but I. I'm just glad they hit it, you know. And I think it, this is more towards Chad than Ernie because, yeah. you know, Ernie's not a charge of
1: you, you think Otto's contract is horrible, even though they were kind of boxed into a hole and it was like, you know, either sign Otto for a max deal or, you know, have the option to sign nobody at all and lose Otto? At the
0: time, no. Okay, but just when you look at the amount of money they paid for him, and the fact that he's more of a supporting player at a wall and field, I wouldn't say he's a third. Uh, I wouldn't say he's a third star. I would say he's more of a surrounding player, a guy that... For sure is a shooter, I don't think he's a third star, but yeah. he's getting paid like that, and this is money that a franchise player gets paid, like John Wall's contract. That's the has, money a franchise. Auto is not a franchise player. I mean, maybe on another team, but
1: just I mean, maybe it's a good move. But we'll see what happens. Maybe they can trade him. He might be a nice uh, bargaining, a bargaining chip. Yeah, I mean, he is expensive, but you know, maybe a team that wants to get rid of one of their higher paid you know, supposed superstars. Perhaps that could be a good bargaining chip just to make the contracts work out, and we'll have to wait and see about that. We'll talk a little bit later in this podcast about what kind of moves you think the, the Wizards should attempt to make over the offseason. Right now, I'm just curious. I mean, we're going to get to this in a sec after we hear from the Locked On Raptors host um, with the the breaking news about Dwayne Casey, but in your mind, does it seem like the Wizards aren't positioning them themselves to ever get into championship contention based on, you know, what you've seen since you started following the team way back in the late 90s? Okay, so,
0: um, we, I think if, if you're a long-term Wizards fan, you've definitely seen worse teams than this one. Of course. Okay, like, when John Wall first came in the league, the Wizards won, what, 18 games a year or something like that? They were the basement of the league.
1: They were the laughing stock, um, yeah. Him, Andre Bloch. Uh, JaVale McGee, Nick Young, Jordan Crawford. It, it was a team full of immaturity. And, you know, there's still a lot of immaturity, but that was just a team that was never going to get out of the lottery as it was currently constructed.
0: Yeah. And, look, I mean, they're, they're pushing, mm. they're putting themselves into contention. I think they're a consumer right now. Mm. What they're not doing is they're not taking advantage of the window. Because every right. team has a window of, like, five to ten years. The Wizards are taking advantage of that. If they were, they would be adding, you know, pieces. They'd be trying to get themselves the best in the best place to do it and to win. And I don't think it's the bench. I think it's maybe the starting lineup, like, or Todd, contemplating retirement. Is he, should he still be the center? You know, uh, Marquis Morris, you know, is he really going to do, going to be the starting guard forward on the team that makes the finals, per se, is what we're trying to do so. They're just not taking advantage of this window. They're not taking advantage of the window that Wall
1: and Will have together. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you need every starter to be, you know, the type of guy who averages 15, 20 points a game or anything like that. But yeah. you just, there, there are a lot of holes, even when you just look at the starting lineup, I would say. Uh, the fact that there's no room protector. You know, the guy who, who gets the most blocks on the team is John Wall, which is never a good sign. And then just the, the amount of inconsistency you've seen Beal become a lot more consistent this past season but when you look at you know Otto's up and down year Marquise up and down year Gortat it looked like you know he didn't even want to be there at times he was non-existent he was you know for the past couple years he hasn't been playing much in the fourth quarter if you're a starter you should be at least someone that the team can rely on and play you know someone who can play down the stretch and no you don't need to score 20 points or anything like that but you need to you can't be a liability, and it just seemed like whether it was going really cold or not showing up on defense or just not being mentally focused, I would say everyone besides Beale, you know, Wall always does his job. Well, sometimes his defense isn't totally in tune, but I think Beale was like the one consistent player over the course of the season. Everywhere else, you can basically point fingers. You can even point fingers at Bradley Beale because he never delivered down the stretch. Uh,
0: I mean, well, Beal did everything else, right? I mean, he still...
1: He's so young. I mean, he'll, get, yeah. and he'll eventually get a game player. But, um, look, when Paul went out, Bradley Beal became more complete. He didn't just... He was just a
0: scorer, and then this year we've seen him be more of a
1: rebounder. Playmaker, and just, and doing, defender, yeah. Doing
0: all the little things. And, you know, that's what the Wizards thought Otto was going to be. And whether or not he does that, whether he whether he becomes that player or not, Jerry's still out on him. But... Yeah, a doesn't have to average twenty points a game. I mean <laughs> yeah, they don't have to. But um it's just court you know, and the key were up and down mm-hmm. and we're tied, I mean, we saw in game three, right? Court was scored like what, twenty eight points? So <laughs> you
1: know, there's He was like eight for three, ten, He probably was like sixteen. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, there's games where Wall will make a goal player look really good. Yeah, center, he's John earned a lot of people contracts, go. no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, he's made people earn their paychecks. And then, uh, you know, Wall and Beal are the guys that can really do their job. I'm not saying anyone didn't do their job this year. I think they really did try to do, to do their job this year. But I just feel like they were just, yeah, inconsistent. I mean... We saw this team, they could beat Cleveland by seven one night, and then another night they would lose by, like, what, 12 to Atlanta, and then Scott the top used to be playing selfish basketball, you know. It's just kind of a dream, I like, would watch yeah.
1: sometimes. They lost by 30-plus points to the Brooklyn Nets, and they lost, I mean, Utah is a great team, don't get me wrong, but at the time when they played the Jazz and lost by, like, 45 or something... They were really struggling. That that was not like a playoff picture Utah Jazz team. They were missing some of their studs as well. So uh, definitely, I think, like, what kind of is to blame when you have games that are that poor and you just can't defend? Like, the Wizards had no problem whatsoever scoring 100, 110 points, but it was just their defense that, that was miserable. And do you think it's, like, schematics of, you know, not covering pick and rolls the, the right way or, you know, letting shooters get space because of lack of focus or just having people who on the perimeter weren't athletic enough to stop penetration. What do you think is wrong with the defense? Because clearly this was one of the worst defensive seasons we've seen among the past, you know, what they've made the playoffs for of the last five years, and I don't think the defense has has really ever been this bad.
0: Okay, so what was, so when we went back to going back to the Raptors series and before that series happened, what was the number one thing we said that the Wizards had to do on? Defend the three. Yeah, <laughs> and that's something in games that they have not done they haven't done a great job of that inside I feel like they've limited sense, but it's just defending the three and you know, the NBA is evolving into this shooting league right? and if the Wizards can't adapt to that they're going to be in trouble and that's what's split them down in many games this season you know defending yeah just the three ball I mean you, we saw against Toronto it got a little better but
1: no against Toronto better. they averaged like 12 threes a game. I've got to double-check. There was only one game throughout the series in six games where they hit seven threes, but every other game they scored, you know, a, like 40 I'm points specifically off of the i looking threes. at C.J. Miles, who yeah. <laughs> I keep saying he's unstoppable, which he wasn't after the first game. But mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I mean, it looked better, but it wasn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned... Um, I wanted to get to, to one other thing before we talk about Dwayne Casey a little bit. So you mentioned that the starters are kind of where the issue is. You think the bench is... Is more or less fine. It seems it wasn't necessarily an issue this year, but in past years, when you watch the Wizards, they're doing great when Wall is on the floor. The second he leaves, the team just totally like uh, implodes. And I think that has a lot to do with you know who you have coming off the bench to play backup point guard. Of course, we saw the rise and you know like a, a flourishing of of Thomas this year. But I think there's there's no one on the bench who can be consistent and, and trustworthy, except maybe Mike Scott, who had a, a good all-together all-around year. Um, Ubre definitely pl- started off really hot and showed flashes uh, in, in the second half of the season, but his jump shot fell off a lot. You don't feel like there needs to be a massive overhaul of the bench? You you think that uh, they're, they're kind of, you know, giving the Wizards enough at this point? Well, again,
0: like, Previous Wizards teams, especially last year's team, the bench was, what, like, that, we were, what, seven or eight deep? I mean, like, you had Bogdanovich, Mahimni, who got injured. You didn't really have anyone else left. This um, this postseason and this season, we saw when Wall went out. It looked bad at the, the start, but it got better, you know. Like, mm-hmm. the second unit against Serrano, you know, you had Lawson, Sato, Oubre, uh, Mike Scott, and Mahimni. That's not a bad second unit. And they were doing their job, too. So, just just up and down. I mean, yeah, just up and down phone court play. Uh, Jen let them down. And, mm-hmm. um... Yeah, I mean the bench. In my opinion, I thought the best because I mean I think I saw somewhere where they where they outplaying Toronto's bench in a few minutes there, and even a couple, maybe even a couple games. off the check, but they did pretty well, I would say, when it comes to
1: the bench. Yeah, I expected the Raptors to have a, a you know a bigger showing from their bench, and of course it's tough to say that when the bench is the one who closed out the fourth quarter with um you know Pascal Siakam getting lots of minutes, Jakub Pertl. And DeLon Wright, of course, was a Wizards killer in um, basically all of their home games, and and even game six, too. So, it's... I, I thought it, it could have been more uneven, but then when you have, like, DeRozan dropping 35, 38 points, however many he had in his games, it kind of balances out. So, like, sure, their bench isn't torching you, but, you know, their starting guards are, so... It really puts things in perspective, given how upset everyone was with the way the Wizards played, but then the fact that the Raptors got swept by LeBron the very next round, and two of them were, you know, like impossible game winners. LeBron was a menace throughout the series, so it's, it's you know, not like anyone on the Wizards could have stopped him, but do you, what do you think happened with the Raptors as, as they faced LeBron? Was it like a mental block, knowing that they couldn't get past him, or were there schematic things that were the issue, or matchup problems? I kind of would expect that if the Wizards were to go against playoff LeBron, it would not have been a sweep, and that might just be the the Homer fan in me talking, but I I feel like at a base level, the Wizards wouldn't have backed down from that challenge, and it would have been a more competitive series if the Wizards were to advance to to play Cleveland. What's your take? Well, it's tough to say now, um, but I feel like if they did advance, and they did play Cleveland, it's a queen's lane, with this team at least, because of course in the past, LeBron has torched the Wizards. With Arenas mm-hmm. That was a so, dozen years this, ago. This is a, yeah, a thousand
0: years ago. This is a different Wizards team. And this is one that hasn't played Cleveland. They thought Cleveland was scared to play him last year. Oh, man,
1: stupidest thing. There, no. <laughs> stupidest comment Wizards have ever made. Because they like, yeah, beat him yeah. once in the regular season the past two years. Come on. Right? Yeah, Something was, like that. It
0: was, it was kind of ridiculous. But, um, yeah, it wouldn't have been a sweep if they played uh, Cleveland. I don't think it would have been... I think uh, Washington would have, they would have won one or two. Might have maybe have forced a game seven, but not one the series. Maybe a Cleveland and maybe six of them. But yeah, Toronto just... I mean, it's a little bit of a mental block, but if it was completely a mental block, then they would have folded against the Wizards. But yeah, if Toronto just... They played a couple of close ones. They didn't get it. And they went back to the team that really hasn't improved a lot two years ago. I mean, the bench has gotten
1: better, yes, but DeRozan and Lowry look the same players. Yeah, I think DeRozan shifted a little bit. He can shoot a little bit better, um, and Lowry's kind of accepted his role of, you know, not necessarily being the star of the team and more of like a veteran leader, facilitator, defender who can still knock down the open threes and, you know, attack the basket when he needs. So I feel like they've shifted slightly, but I, I guess it's more like a tactical, philosophical, you know, like the how they play the game instead of going iso ball and playing within the arc. They're, they're spreading it out a lot more and, and shooting more threes. So we are now going to hear from Locked on Wizards. Uh, sorry, not Locked on Wizards. Locked on Raptors host in just a second after the break, um, after this message. We're going to hear his reaction To He called him his father, Dwayne Casey, getting uh, fired after an impressive season, impressive regular season, I should say. And then, you know, three straight years being eliminated by the Cavaliers. So here is the Locked On Raptors host, Sean Woodley, talking about
2: Dwayne Casey's dismissal. Hey, how's it going? This is Sean Woodley, the host of Locked On Raptors, here to break down the breaking news that Dwayne Casey, the seven-year head coach of the Toronto Raptors, has been let go by the team This coming, of course, after they were swept for the second straight season by LeBron James and the Cavs. And there is a lot to get into with this. It is a decision that is sort of surprising, but at the same time isn't. Of course, like I don't think anyone could point to the series where the Raptors got swept by the Cavs and say that was all Dwayne Casey's fault. I think a lot of it is just LeBron is LeBron, and he is a powerful singular force who has owned not just the Raptors, but pretty much every other team in the Eastern Conference over the last decade. So I don't think it's a shocker that the Raptors were unable to sort of crack that nut, but I do sort of understand it from the perspective that you know he didn't have a great series. It was a, it was a tough time. He did not have a defensive game plan that was well crafted to stopping LeBron, and I think that kind of speaks to the larger issue of Dwayne Casey, which has always kind of been the thing with him is that he's not the best tactical coach in the world. He is a very good, maybe one of the very best in the league at being a big picture relationships guy, and he did an excellent job of that when he was hired by the Raptors. The Raptors were in the middle of nowhere, absolutely listless as a franchise, and I think. that The decision to hire him was built, you know, a lot around his ability to sort of connect with players and build a culture and form good habits. And he did that. And the Raptors have, you know, been the most successful they've ever been under Dwayne Casey five years in a row in the playoffs, 50 wins, three seasons straight, 59 wins, of course, this season after completely changing over the offense. And, you know, it's really sad to see Dwayne Casey go. He's a fantastic guy. He is really easy to deal with with the media. And he did a really great job shepherding this team along from a point that. You know, they really weren't supposed to become this good. You know, they were supposed to blow it up in 2013-14. They traded Rudy Gay. Kyle Lowry was almost out the door. And then, you know, after some friction, him and Casey, Lowry and Casey kind of figured things out, really sort of established a good bond. And, you know, you see where the Raptors are now. They have won more playoff series in any team in the league, aside from the Cavs and Warriors over the last three seasons. So, you know, you can clown them all you want. But in, in, in the grand scheme of things, the Raptors have become one of the more, you know, successful, stable model franchises in the NBA, and a lot of that has to do with Dwayne Casey. So moving on from him does seem like a bit of a strange pivot. At the same time, I do think there there is some reason to it. And I think, you know, part of the reason that, you know... The, the, I think the reflection of Dwayne Casey is that he's been so successful at building the culture and building the, the team from you know the, the ground up and sort of getting this big picture thing just sort of hammered down to its science. That like The Raptors are just a really well-run team in the regular season. They win a lot of games for a reason. He's very strict with rotations. He gets guys in roles. They know their roles, and they perform them every night. And I think that is honestly so, sort of the reason that maybe a change is needed And that the Raptors have, have grown under Dwayne Casey to a point where they're no longer in need of a big-picture coach anymore. They're in need of someone who's more of a tactical wizard who can kind of look at a series and not take a game or two to adjust, who can kind of, you know, change things up and throw different looks out there that, you know, maybe Dwayne Casey's been a little bit slow to get to in the past. So, you know, I think the next coach is going to be someone who's more of a tactical genius. You know, Jerry Stackhouse is a guy whose name has been thrown out there. But I do think Casey getting fired kind of gives me the sense, at least, and this could change, of course, but and I do think that coach is going to be more a tactical guy who is more sort of, you know, lauded for his in-game expertise as opposed to more of a big-picture thing, because I I think the Raptors at this point probably believe that their franchise is stable enough and, you know, has come far enough and is, is strong enough you know, as a culture and just sort of as, a, as an organization as a whole, that they can withstand not having a guy like Dwayne Casey to be the head coach who is so good at the big picture stuff. So uh, Mike Budenholzer is also someone that's high on Messiah Ujiri's list. Uh, I, You know, people joke about Mike Budenholzer and sort of what happened with the Hawks this season. I think it would make some sense. As long as he's not getting any sort of, you know, general managership of the team, I think that's probably what they would want to steer away from. If he's looking for complete power like he wanted in Atlanta... Maybe that'll be a difficult sell for him, and I think that would be a difficult sell for the Raptors as well on their end. Um, but, you know, a guy like Budenholzer who, you know, while the the Hawks were sort of known as this egalitarian, fun-loving team back in 2015 when they won 60 games, they were the second-best defense in the league. And maybe you can sort of count on Budenholzer to craft a better scheme to maybe go up against LeBron James. Here's the thing. No Raptors coach is changing the Raptors' forces against LeBron James unless LeBron James becomes a worse player, which doesn't seem to be on the horizon anytime soon. This, I think, is very much a PR move to try to sell the team sell to the fans that the team coming back is gonna have at least a bit of a different voice and maybe sell it as some sort of way to get around LeBron I don't think that's gonna happen I don't think any new coach is scheming around LeBron James but uh, I do kind of understand the the, the the pivot here to maybe go from a bigger picture guy to a more tactical guy really do think that's what it comes down to um, Dwayne Casey was a fantastic coach he's gonna be missed uh, by a lot of people in Toronto and you know it's a big risk there's a good chance that the next coach is not as good a coach as Dwayne Casey and I think Casey should be scooped up by some other team almost immediately and any team that is in sort of disarray and needs to establish a culture should be calling up Dwayne Casey right this minute to get an interview set up that's all I got on this for now. Check out Locked on Raptors. I'll have a full episode about all of this. We'll get into all the different angles of sort of the optics of the Dwayne Casey firing and sort of where to go from here, what kind of candidate the Raptors should be looking for, and uh, maybe throw some names out there and maybe, you know, sort of hypothesize what what else we're going to see from this offseason, which apparently is going to feature lots of change, change for the Raptors, a team that has not changed a whole lot uh, in, in a bunch of years. So interesting times ahead for the Raptors. You can hear it all on Locked on Raptors uh, with myself, Sean Woodley, and thanks for tuning in.
1: All right, so that was Sean Woodley from Locked on Raptors giving us some great insight about, you know, the the decision for the Raptors to move on from uh, Dwayne Casey. He mentioned it's, you know, kind of disappointing, but at the same time not completely shocking given that the the Raptors are kind of getting to the, the highest level in the Eastern Conference and can't move past this team that, you know, gets to the finals every year, of course, LeBron James. So what was your reaction Trey, by the way, I'm your host Noah Getzel, and Trey Johnson is here to join us to give his take on you know what's going on with the Wizards entering the offseason. Were you surprised when you saw that Dwayne Casey lost his job, or do you feel like it's about time because he's always underperforming in, in the postseason?
0: I'm a little surprised. I think if any coach that made the playoffs this year were to be let go or fired, it'd be Brett Brown, mm-hmm. simply due to the fact that. I'd reach Casey's maximum potential. I feel like in Philadelphia, Philadelphia might need a new name coach. Toronto, though, I don't know about Casey. I mean, maybe it is time to go. But I think if they were properly coached, and I know this is maybe just me, but if they were properly coached, I think they could have won.
1: Because they're so much deeper than than the, the Cavs are.
0: Yeah, Cleveland's benches.
1: I yeah and down. When you speak of Eastern Conference coaches who might need to go. of course the, the Bucks are with an interim coach as they entered the playoffs. It's been months since uh, Jason Kidd got fired. So it's kind of surprising that they didn't have someone with more reputation, more experience as, as they entered the playoffs. And then you gotta wonder, I feel like Tyron Lue only has his job because LeBron can walk all over him you know I, I just when you look at all the struggles that the Cavaliers face this year, why are no fingers really be, being pointed at Tyron Lue? That's that's a good question to ask. Because LeBron's the head coach. <laughs> He's the GM too. He's yeah, next so, in line uh, to be the owner. Lue's just there. Tyronn Lue's just there because of LeBron. I mean, like literally, they could fire anyone and replace it with anyone. Yeah, but
0: LeBron's the head coach. Literally.
1: I feel like, I don't know, they couldn't replace him with anyone. I, I I couldn't foresee, like, Phil Jackson coaching the Cavaliers or something like that. I'm sure no. he's done. But, like, someone who has the pedigree of championship rings, like, I don't think it would be a, a cakewalk for LeBron in, in that type of circumstance. So, the Wizards, like, what, what was your level of satisfaction? I just did a podcast the other day. Um, I think I posted it today, actually, with Ian Evans, um on kind of like a recap of the good, the bad, and the ugly of of Scott Brooks. And one thing I mention a lot is that he kind of gives the players too much freedom and, like, too long of a leash. So, you know, if you're someone who's calling plays every offensive set, maybe it's less likely that a team like the Phoenix Suns or L.A. Lakers or someone who's, you know, not going anywhere this season is actually going to have an upset over the Wizards. Do you think, like, of course, you know, is it kind of – like, does, does uh, Scott Brooks deserve a lot of the heat that for the Wizards underperforming? Or is it mostly a management personnel type thing? Or lack of motivation and leadership from players, a lot of whom were injured? Like, tell me what your satisfaction level is with Scott Brooks.
0: I think he's alright. Um, I, I saw a stat that said a list of Wizards head coaches under Rudy Grundleman. And you looked at the list, and Scott Brooks is like the most successful coach that mm-hmm. the Wizards have had in the last fifteen years. Yeah. So to say that you want him fired is kind of ridiculous because this guy's been the best edge they've had in the last 15, 20 years. So I think he's all right, and he's got the thunder to the finals uh, with you know they're off the heat. So I don't. I think it's a psychological reason why they're losing by like thirty or forty to teams like Phoenix.
1: This was I'm a saying, Thunder I team with... Yeah. This was a Thunder team with three budding MVPs, by the way. Oh, Boston, man, <laughs> huh? I mean, yeah. I, I would I mean, say... We, we, Yul was we, 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 creeping Brad up in the conversation. Hmm? Say that they one more time.
0: Develop. can develop, okay?
1: Yeah. Can develop. I mean, He's got problem. a high ceiling. But, no uh, <laughs> cool. Yeah, but... I mean, it's a good
0: thing that the players coach my opinion, I mean, if you have a
1: hard man, your players aren't going to listen to right? him. And yeah. then
0: if once you're terrible, you're going to demand that coach to be placed in exile. Scott Brooks is not going to have that issue. And, I mean, he had two decent in air quotes regular seasons. Um, and, I mean, the coach just doesn't seem to be unlawful like anymore. The NBA is just more psychologically in place. He's I mean, the I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, this season was ultimately, you know, when you consider everything, I think it's not necessarily a success, but it it wasn't like a huge drop-off from last year. They lost six more games, and they were, you know, without their star player for half the season. So, I mean, you would like to see the Wizards take the next step and get out of the second round next year, of course. And my final question is, what kind of course would you like to see do you want to see like a blockbuster trade or do you just think, you know, kind of keeping the core intact, maybe get rid of, getting rid of one of those under um, underperforming front court men, big men, and maybe adding someone more athletic and drafting a good piece is, is all you need? Or do you feel like there needs to be like a massive move in place, possibly a Porter or one of your other max money type guys to, to kind of shake things up and, and get the Wizards up to that next level?
0: Well, I think if you bring the band back together and you keep and you keep anyone, the, the ceiling is second round for that core. Mm-hmm. And unless they hit a home run in the draft and get someone really good, that's your ceiling. However, if you can take advantage of the window, then you could maybe trade for Kawhi. Now, that's unrealistic. because going a point guard and, but Wizards are not trading John Balls. Um, But, like, I'm thinking maybe Boogie or DeAndre, or even the Denver, like, there's always a suggested a trade going around between a have for Nugget. I don't know how true this is, but it was Otto, Jason Smith, or, it was the like Jason Smith or time. It was Otto, Jason Smith, and Saddam uh, to Denver for Millsap and Fareed. And I think that would be a good trade in terms of the Wizards would have a good bench player who can be, like, a six-man kind of, and Millsap will fit in
1: uh, Yeah, but Porter, I mean, Porter, of course, he's owed a lot of money, probably too much money, but the thing is, like, Porter is probably on the up and up of of his career, he's, what, 23 years old, I believe, maybe 24, and then Millsap is, I think, 31, Fareed hasn't really been the athletic, rebounding, blocking shots type of contributor, like, he used to just drive in the lane and slam on people and, like, grab all those lobs and throw them down, you haven't seen that in years, so... It would be two guys who are kind of on their their last legs of their career while you're trading away, you know, your number three draft pick and and a max contract guy who is supposed to be the future of the Wizards. So I, I don't know if I would make that trade. A lot of people are talking about Kawhi, but, you know, something to bring up, of course, is you don't know how healthy he is. I kind of doubt that he's just, like, not playing because he's upset with the Spurs franchise. You know, maybe that plays into it, but I'm sure that there were some setbacks in his Injury recovery, and also he's going to be—he um, only has one year left on his deal. So, should the Wizards really like trade away their future or one of their best players for a guy who might be leaving them in a year? I mean, I mean, I don't know what it takes to acquire Kawhi. I mean, I would think it takes an elite point guard or a point guard,
0: and that means Wall and Wall for Kawhi doesn't make sense. I mean, if we're talking for agency, Boogie or DeAndre or. Or someone like that, maybe. And then, if we're really talking a trade, I think a Hassan side is
1: good for this team. Really, um, you like him, even though the Heat like don't use him at all in the playoffs. Well, it's not his fault that Coach Slow wasn't drawing up any plays for him. I think it's more of
0: yeah, Coach Slow didn't give wasn't given any plays for him. So how is he supposed to do anything? And he looked good in the tail end of the series. And I think with a new team and a clean slate, he should be similar to what he was a couple of years
1: yeah i mean i feel like the nba as a whole is just going away from kicking it to the post and hoping that you know that your post-up guy is able to back down and score and you know he's got a little bit of a mid-range game but he's he's just even given how athletic he is how good of a rebounder how good of a shot blocker i just don't know if the nba is is gonna you know have success with with your traditional post-up player that's the question
0: I mean, the post isn't, it's not usable, it. it's more of point shooting and all that, but, right. I mean, you still do have to go to the I mean, we see more get, what, like, 15 assists a game, or something like that, I mean, Yeah, so I mean, it's so easy so if he's just
1: lobbing like, it up to, yeah, to a 7-footer, he's more athletic than... Everyone else on the court—that that would be a nice luxury to have, no doubt. I feel like we're running out of time here. Uh, it's you know about thirty or so. Oh no, more than that. More than thirty minutes into this podcast, Trey. It's been great having you as a guest. Um, thanks so much. Where can everyone find you on Twitter or anywhere where you anywhere else you want to share your stuff?
0: Well, we uh, almost uh, and then it's also the Instagram handle too. So anyone can follow me up there. Um and yeah, I mean it's been a I think so.
1: No worries, man. It was great to have you. I uh, hope you have an awesome weekend, and everyone else enjoy this this nice weather. Make sure to call up your mom if she's around. Wish her a happy Mother's Day, and uh, that'll do it for us. We'll be back. Um, coming up is a podcast with your old Locked On Wizards host, Ben Standig. He returns to the show to talk about a, a whole host of different things that are kind of messing with the, the Wizards' culture and keeping them from getting over the hump, so stay tuned for that. That'll be posted uh, probably this weekend, so so. Tune in, everyone. Thanks so much. And thank you, Trey. Have a wonderful weekend. Talk to you guys soon.
2: Don't even lie to me. You like to exaggerate, dream and imagine. Then change the rhyme around that could aggravate me. So when you see me come up, freeze. Or you'll be one of those seven MCs. They think that I'm a new jack, but only if they knew that. They who think wrong, or they who can't do that style that I'm doing, they might ruin patterns of paragraphs based on you. And your DJ. if anything he play, sound familiar. I'll wait to E-Safe play him. So I'm a have the diss who broke. You can get a smack for this. I ain't no joke.